Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got a good friend of the podcast, Chris Rowe of Rowe Hunting Resources. Chris, how are you doing? Doing all right. How are you? Oh, doing just fine. It's, you know, it seems like we didn't uh, talk much. Uh, we talked a little bit after uh, elk season and did a little bit of a recap and what have you, but uh, we've exchanged several texts here and there. Uh, but haven't spent too much on the f- time on the phone. We've both been busy going in, in several directions. Uh, what's been going on with you lately? We're, we're sitting here kind of at the end of December and uh, need a little catch-up from Chris Rowe. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I think both of us have, have suffered from uh, not having enough time to sit around and twiddle our thumbs, I think. Uh, no, the last time we spoke, I think I was on the, if I, if I remember right, I was literally driving back from... Arizona, wasn't it? Wasn't the yeah. the, the Unit Nine recap? So, yeah. yeah, dude, we yeah, goodness gracious, there's a lot. So yeah, I drove. So yeah, from that point, I got home uh, here in Kansas and literally parked the truck, unloaded the camper, did some laundry, and rolled straight into getting ready for all of our whitetail hunts out here. Uh, on the properties that I manage out here in Northwest Kansas, so I mean, it just it was hit the ground running, and I think maybe you, you and I talked a little privately. Uh, the we had some just serious monkey wrenches thrown into the works this year. We had a major flood. Uh, I don't know if we talked about that or not, but we had a major flood on the primary river drainage that goes through our properties. Historical flood. Um, and it literally wiped out, uh, it's, just, it's crazy the, the amount of change that that created uh, through that river corridor. So we had the flood and I, all the debris and it changed movement corridors. It changed trees that I used to put tree stands on. It changed movement. It, it changed all sorts of stuff. And then on the tail of that, we had a pretty significant drought. So our crop rotation this fall got messed up because we it was so dry the ground the soil moisture was so bad that or the lack of soil moisture was so bad that we couldn't even plant the fall crops that we normally plant we had other crops that just would not dry out and and so we had a late harvest drought it was it was crazy but we got everything <laughs> i got all the tree stands up i got everything prepped uh food plots kind of touched up and, and worked on and uh and then yeah that last week of october our deer hunters rolled in and, and we started and i have been going since i mean we just literally wrapped up uh rifle season last week and so i'm kind of getting a chance to breathe a little bit so <laughs> i've noticed you've been doing a little doe maintenance lately yeah a little management yeah i we uh yeah, we don't have any shortage of deer, that's for sure. And depending on, well, again, crop rotation and, and what our fields look like and depending on where they are, um, yeah, they can just pile in. And, and there's some years, uh, like, for instance, when I first started this, part of the reason why I help the landowner manage the properties is to try to assist in reducing some crop damage. And so there's been years where she, he's had pushing upwards of $30,000 worth of crop damage just from deer alone. So we try to whack the bejeebas out of as many does as possible so all of our rifle hunters all of our archery hunters um we encourage them to shoot as many does as they want to physically take any non-resident 
hunter that draws it. If you guys are, if you've ever hunted uh, Kansas as a non-resident, you'll know that you draw your buck tag, but they'll also send you a doe tag. Well, if you have a doe tag, you're filling it. We, we want you to fill it. And then in addition, we can purchase up to five additional doe tags just strictly for doe management. And we, I always buy my five and the landowners that uh, I deal with, he buys his. And so we try to maximize them as many does as possible. So yeah, I have two tags left. And I think by the time this airs, I'm running a little promo, a little, just, uh, just a little, I don't know, sweepstakes contest, whatever you, just a fun little deal on my Instagram account. But I think by the time this airs, we'll be through it. But yeah, I've got two doe tags left. We're going to see. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to do it with a bow or I'm going to wait till the January rifle season. We'll see, but it's been fun. <laughs> it's been fun. That's awesome. So, I mean, I know talking to you in September with, with the flood and everything, you were a little bit nervous because of how much it was going to change. Uh, yeah. How did the deer adapt uh, to the change? Flat left. So they, I mean, they, uh, literally, they, yeah, they left and, and never came back. And these are new deer or some of them came back. Some of them came back. It, see, it's, and this is, you want to talk about perfect storm of difficulty. The flood came through and the water level rose incredibly in the way our river bottom is, is, um, anybody, well, folks that have seen me post some of the pictures may recognize it, but the, the river bottom itself is pretty low and shallow, okay? So, I mean, there's no real big steep banks. There's no, it's not a really narrow channel. I mean, it's a big wide open channel. Well, even though it was a wide open uh, floodplain, the water level was nine, depending on where you were in the creek bottom, nine to 15 feet high. Even our, some of our ag fields that were under center pivot irrigation were four to five feet underwater. The water channel in our area was more than a mile wide from one edge of the water to the other. And so you had that much water. So you figure a mile wide and let's just, just on average, let's just say four foot deep on the upper portions, that water was flowing. This is a river. So it was flowing. Well, the people that were here, that happened early September. Well, Friends, they're here, and, and some of the landowners. They said when that water started coming through, it was it was like Noah and the flood. I mean, they said there was frogs and toads crossing. Just, I mean, it was just a mass exodus of every living creature getting out of that floodplain. It pushed a lot of animals up higher, up into the upland areas, and up into those periphery little fingers tributaries. But Keep in mind, though, all every little finger tributary, every little drainage, even if it was just a shallow depression in the fields coming out of the hills, those were all flooding. I mean, it was incredible. I think we got here eight inches of rain within like two or three hours. And then up river, upstream, they got something like 11 to 14 inches in that same storm. So, I mean, the, the volume of water was just incredible. So the animals just flat left. Well, when the water receded, some of them did come back. The problem with where we are is we added to that whole problem our crop rotation. We were getting ready. Some of our fields were purposefully left fallow after harvest this summer because next spring or next early next summer, they're going to be planted into corn. So there was not going to be any food in these fields, period, anyway. 
All right. So there's net. So on a portion of our property, there's no reason for deer to come back because there's no food there. Meanwhile, a mile up the river bottom on our neighbors, they just have acres upon acres upon acres of standing corn, standing soybeans and standing Milo. Just cover and food galore. Well, because it was the river bottom, because of that flood, the soil saturated so great that nothing dried out. All of it, in those particular areas, the crops just never would cure out enough to where they could get the, the, the moisture was too high in the corn or the soybeans or the milo. They just couldn't harvest. So here we have no food on us, piles of food on our neighbors, and they can't harvest it. So we have a delayed harvest. We have more cover. So when the deer came back in our area, they all piled in our, and our, onto our neighbors. Meanwhile, on the other half of our property up north, it was great. We had standing soybeans and we had a pile of deer. But here's where land management comes in. We had another, our neighbor had some issues with trespassers and poachers and all sorts of other things going on. And they finally threw their hands up. And they're like, that's it. We're done. They shut down all the hunting on their property. They didn't let anybody come hunt. Well, normally our the property that they adjoin next to us has a bunch of hunters on it, which that disturbance usually kicks those animals over onto us because we are typically the sanctuary. Well, this year it was just the opposite. Our neighbor was a sanctuary. So it was just this, and, and, and there, because it was a little higher elevation, when that rain hit, it never gave it a chance to soak in. It just, it all just ran off. So the ground was pretty darn dry. Well, we have food plots in there. Well, that's where I think you saw me posting some of those pictures. I literally was hooking up my hydroceder, 500 gallon tank hydroceder. And in October for two different iterations, I went and put about 10,000 gallons of water on each of two different food plots just to keep something in the area to let the deer eat. I mean, it, it just, it was crazy. As far as a perfect storm of difficult conditions. And then, and then during the hunting season, you, and people talked about it left and right. We had absolutely incredibly warm end of, end of October into the beginning of November to where all, most of the deer activity that we did have was all still nocturnal. So, I mean, it was it was crazy tough. We did well. Our guys killed some really nice deer. I killed a nice uh, nice buck as well, but it was just brutal tough. <laughs> it's, it was brutal tough. I'm looking forward to 2017. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the turkeys with that? Were, were the, I assume they were already hatched, and did the poultry yeah. some? Did, they, did you think you lost a bunch of turkeys, or did they come back? I, again, it, it shifted their movement quite a bit. I am seeing, uh, now bachelor groups of Toms coming back. I will say they do not appear to be in the numbers that we normally have, but then again, I can't rule out the fact that maybe they're a mile or two away from where we normally see them. Um, as far as the hatch goes, they did very, very well this year. I posted a one picture on an upland area uh, away from the river bottom. There was, I don't know, two, three hundred uh, hens and poults just at one big flock, which is normally what we see this time of year. So that looks promising. So I think it just, I mean, with, with the flood itself, it just pushed so much out and, and distributed. And the other thing, too, that I think 
for our turkeys, which is disappointing. We're going to see what happens. Because the water was so high and because it was flowing so fast, it took all the organic matter, all the, the, the leaf litter, all of the topsoil, all of anything good and wholesome as far as habitat and just scoured it and washed it away. So we have some just huge areas that used to be really, really great um, native grass and, and good nesting areas. Uh, now it's just it's just scoured. There's no, it's just bare mineral soil and a bunch of cheatgrass. So that itself, I think, has shifted some of our winter flocks because they just don't have the native winter seed uh, that they normally have in our area. So it's just gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what happens, but. For anybody that's looking ahead for 2017, we seem to have had a really, really good hatch this year. Um, it's just going to be a question of what was the survivability of those toms, especially the two-year-olds and Jake's from last year. So we'll see. Gotcha. And lately, has your weather turned off uh, very cold, or is it is it still kind of mild compared? Well, <clears throat> well, it's it's been mild but cooler. Obviously, you know, this Arctic blast came down uh, last week and we had some brutal, brutal cold, you know, 15, 20 below zero ambient temperature at night. So that was just one pulse, this one wave of, of cold. But it finally has broken to where we've we've had cold nights, you know, in the in the teens and 20s. And then you're in the high 30s to 50s during the day. Like, for instance, today it's 54 degrees. So it's still nice, but we're finally getting some cold temperatures and that's where you know for anybody that's hunting late season that's where it's been at when we get these cold snaps deer pile into the corn and it makes it really predictable on where we're going to find deer how much longer does your uh, i assume they're late season archery tags right how 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 much longer do those seasons run for well rifle ended last sunday so now we are finishing up the last hat, last portion of archery. So archery goes until December 31st. So if you have a buck tag or a doe tag, doesn't matter. Archery runs until the end of the month. Now and then January 1st through I think the 8th, that what or whatever that that one week is, um, they have the late doe season where it's any method of take. So you can use a rifle again. Uh, but that runs for just that, essentially that first week of January. And then that, once that's done, we're done, done, done. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you've been, uh, I guess one question I would ask you when you're right in the middle of elk season, you're all fired up about elk. When you're right in the middle of turkey season, you're all fired up about turkeys. And now you're kind of just finishing up, uh, your deer season, um, for you, how does your love for deer, elk, and turkeys compare if you had to kind of say you, one over the other? Um, how would you rate that? Or is it nice that there's three different seasons and you can just move from one to the other to the next? I think that's going to have to be what it is. I Seriously, because I do, I, I kind of get tunnel vision in, in one track mind. So when it's turkey season, that's all I, it, that's all I can think about. So when we hit about end of February into March, my I'm I'm shifting gears, and as soon as April hits, it's just turkeys, turkeys. That's that's my life, turkeys. I, I can't think about anything else. And as soon as turkey season ends, about middle to end of, of May, 
it's i mean it is it's like you know i'll have like a one week transition period where i've got to kind of defrag my brain and, and scramble but then all of a sudden now it's it's all about prep and, and doing elk and that'll run right on until you know end of september beginning of october depending on how long i'm you know whether i'm down in arizona or what but and as soon as that is done it i mean my brain just switches and now i'm all in on deer and deer last until you know well that that um late rifle as soon as late rifle is done that's when i switch gears again the only problem the only caveat to that is um the denver ise show is something i've i've been invited each year to come back and speak at so i've got seminars at the denver ise show that's in the middle of january well they want me to talk about elk so Literally, as, as I have tunnel vision and blinders on now, everything is just my whole world is whitetails. I've still got to get prepared and, and do my sem- get ready for my seminar uh, mid-January. So, yeah, I'm glad that I, I do. I don't know if I could pick one over the other just because they're so different and I have a passion for all three of them. I, I'm very, very grateful that they don't overlap. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think... For me, one of the things people ask me all the time, how come I don't get burned out? And for me, I think it's a function of having those different seasons of, you know, fishing in the summer and, you know, elk and, 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 you know, sheep and, and coos deer and turkeys and then back, you know, back into uh, fishing season. Uh, you know, I think if all I did was chase elk or all I did was chase sheep or, you know, all I did was chase coos deer or fish all the time, I think eventually I would get tired of it. And, I've always told myself that I, I, I want to kind of position everything where I don't get tired of my, my hobby and my passion. Um, and, you know, somewhat my work being an outfitter and, and uh, what have you. I, I feel like, you know, you, you can overdo it. Uh, and maybe some people, you know, maybe they operate different. But usually for me a couple months full bore that's all i'm thinking about uh, after a couple months i'm ready to shift uh yeah. to the next animal to the next strategies you know <clears throat> to the next application of how i'm gonna you know uh go about and and do my hunts and stuff so i i'm sure you're you're the same way well and absolutely the only thing absolutely 100 the only thing too that i'll add with that is i think for me one of the things that's helped me especially like you just said now that we guide you know i mean obviously you've got it for years and and i've done some but i'm i've actually gotten into more of it now um i think one thing that's helped me is not only the diff the different seasons and kind of rolling from one to the next but i always make sure i save some time for myself so i am out there actively hunting for myself i think that's the other thing too is i know you know, turkey season, for instance, I'm running straight on through from beginning of April. Every It's absolutely every weekend, if not, you know, I've got, a, you know, three days on a weekend and then three days in the middle of the week and then roll right into another three days. I mean, it's just boom, 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 boom. Whether it's two guys up to last year, I had five in one group. I won't do that again. But, you know, I mean, you're just cranking so many people that, yeah, you're absolutely right. You just, you, you, by the, about the two-month mark, you're just you're about burned out, but I always kind of cut it off to where I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go out for this day or these next couple days. And it's, this is my time. I, I, this is, this is my hunt. Just like the deer hunt this year, we had a couple of our, you know, we had 
our deer hunts technically uh, stack. We had a bunch of people that are interested in coming out to deer hunt this year, but they didn't draw tags. You don't talk about, you know, whether you talk, whether you believe in divide intervention or or just absolutely just complete you know luck of the random draw. Holy moly, we had the potential to have eight different hunters out here for you know deer. Well, all the conditions just absolutely threw a monkey. I'm glad they didn't draw tags. We had three of our guys draw tags, and then we had a, a, a guy or a couple guys for rifle, and it it spread it out to where it made it it made it workable. But as soon as my archery guys were done that second week of November, you know when we talk middle of November to the end of November, that that was my time. I I've got some time to get out there, get in a stand, hunt. You know, my hunt was one day this year. I mean, it, it actually worked out well. But having time to go out for yourself, for me, has made a world of difference as, as far as keeping me fresh and, and energetic and, and looking forward at every season. Yeah, for sure. Let's take a quick break here. GoHunt.com Insider is by far the most valuable tool a Western hunter could give themselves. GoHunt.com Insider are the industry leaders and number one source for Western hunting for a lot of reasons. GoHunt.com Insider have changed the game for how hunts and hunting information are found. Within a matter of minutes using filtering 2.0, you'll be able to filter by state, species, residency, odds of drawing a tag, specific hunting dates, and harvest success percentages to find the hunts that fit exactly what you're looking for. If you are a guy that applies across the West or just in your home state but want to find some new opportunity, there's no better way to do it than using GoHunt.com Insider. As an exclusive offer to my listeners, if you sign up for a GoHunt.com Insider membership for $149 a year and use the promo code JSCOTT, at checkout, you'll receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Head on over to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and get yourself the most valuable membership a hunter could have. I have known the owners of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsmans.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any products. You know, Chris, I couldn't agree more. Um, You know, this year I actually drew that uh, elk tag, that archery elk tag on the beaver unit in Utah and um, showed up and hunted September 1st through the 16th and didn't harvest a bull but it was so fun being able to hunt uh, myself and was chasing a really big bull. And I'm happy to report that he made it through all of the seasons, including the late rifle season. Wow. And, uh, is alive and well. And, um, you know, being able to chase a bull of that caliber and almost get it done twice. And and quite honestly, I was just too close to him. The, the two opportunities that I had at him, I was too close. I mean, I had him at five yards and, and you know, 10 yards uh, two different times. And um, it's just too close. I'd rather have him out there at 30 yards, uh, you know, than, than at point blank range. Um, but the to be able to re-energize, it, you know, I love guiding 
Um, but there is something about being able to hunch yourself and focus and be able to go at your own speed, at your own pace, um, and, and be totally focused on, you know, for me, hunting that one animal um, and, and knowing there were days that I never heard him or saw him and wasn't even in the game with him, uh, but, you know, could stay focused and had lots of opportunities at, at really, really nice bulls. But it was fun for me to just really push myself and see if I got him. And ultimately, you know, he won. Um, but, but, in, but also he won, but I was also super energized as far as my own personal hunts. And, um, it was nice. I was, I, I, there was part of me that kind of questioned whether the passion was still as strong as it, you know, had been in the past. And, um, you know, for me, I think it, it fueled the fire even more. Um, you know, this summer I made it a point cause I knew I was going to the beaver in Utah and I knew it was going to be a very strenuous hunt. I, I did my best to get ready by, you know, trail running and, and, um, I spend the summers there in Carbondale, Colorado, and it's a great proving ground, so to speak, or, or workout grounds to, you know, get, get in mountain shape. And quite honestly, I got there to the beaver thinking that I was ready to go. And I would say now, I would say, I wish I had the tag now, cause I'm more ready. Now, one thing I didn't even tell you is, um, so I prepared all summer. I went through the whole elk season. And then from the day I got back from elk season, I told myself I was going to continue to quote unquote hike or trail run here around the Scottsdale area. And we're fortunate. Um, we have some great, um, mountain trails, you know, five minute drive from my house and 10 minute drive from my house and some, in some a little further, but you know, I can do four to seven mile loops, um, every single day. And, um, I've literally, I have not missed a single day other than I drove up to the Arizona strip. Um, and, and on a couple of these hunts that I've gone on where I had travel days, but other than that, um, you know, I've lost 15 pounds. Um, and I'm, I'm in what I would say, I'll be 44 in February and I'm, I'm at 177 pounds and I'm as lean as I've been in a long time. And, and it's just feels so good to, um, you know, just maintain that. And it's almost like, you know, yesterday my schedule was a little bit busy and, you know, I had to get my run in before a dark, um, and then boom, I was right back at it this morning and, and it's just been a lot of fun for, I guess what I'm saying is drawing that hunt really challenged me to just be in tip top shape. And man, I've noticed through this fall and these different hunts with the Arizona strip mule deer hunt with my buddy and, uh, with the sheep hunt, uh, the, 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 uh, December sheep hunt that I guided the archery hunt, and then this finishing this auction sheep hunt and now staring the Mexico coos deer hunts in the face. Um, you know, being in what I would call tip top shape, uh, physically, um, has just made a huge difference for me. Nice. Well, if you, if you want those pounds back, I found them. (laughs) (laughs) So let, let me, let me just tell you this and and full disclosure for everybody, because you know, I don't lie about anything and, and everything's on social media anyway, but 
dude, I'm I'm actually just the opposite, and I and I'm not saying that on a prideful point. I'm I am in rough shape right now. I'm probably the worst I've ever been. Um, beginning of October, or excuse me, uh, got through all of October. Just I mean, I, you know, I got done with Colorado, all through the mountains, running around Arizona for well, almost well, about a, almost a month. So I mean, just going crazy. I hit got back here at home in October, and I was great. I was feeling great. Got all the way, got all the tree stands up, got everything going. I got all the way to the end of October. We had to get hay for the horses. I had to move a couple tons of corn and and other stuff. And all of a sudden I just, it was just, I I think it was just a must, just a mild muscle strain on my back, lower back. I've always had a chronic issue with my lower back and stressed it. It got, you know, it, it, got bad. And I was like, wow, you know, give it, well, I just can never give it a rest. And so literally, um, over the course of three weeks, I angered, I just absolutely torqued it about three more times into where I literally just today have had a decent day where I can basically stand upright and, and not be in serious pain. I think I finally have worked out all, I mean, I still have some really stiff muscles, but the problem that that has given me now my hamstrings are just i can i normally oh yeah i normally can you know say i'm in the shower or whatever i've you know i put the little massage head on you know i usually stretch out i usually can stand upright knees back and i can reach down touch the ground not a problem and if i'm really relaxed i can almost put my the the palm of my hand on the ground i'm usually pretty pretty good Dude, I can barely, uh, up until today, I could barely bend over and touch my knees. It's been bad. And so I haven't been able to do anything for literally, well, now it's a, a little over a month and a half. I've got some serious work to do. So I'm, I'm kind of looking at 27, well, at you know, the end of this year and, and then rolling into 2017. I've, I've got to find something because that is one thing any of you guys and gals that are listening out here in the Midwest, you know, there's, it's one thing to live out west in the mountains and have that luxury to be able to run the hills. But man, in the Midwest, you know, we go find hills and, and there might be 200 feet elevation gain. Yeah. <laughs> yay, yay. So I'm I'm really going to have to challenge myself to get myself on a better fitness regime and, and get myself uh, back up, back up to par. But, you know, the funny part is, is that both, you know, here we are talking about that. And both of us have been criticized in the past about, oh, you guys don't talk about fitness. Oh, you guys poo-poo fitness. No, we've never poo-pooed fitness. We just have always said it's not the most important things in killing stuff, I didn't think. But anyway, yeah, it, it, it's it's critical. And here I am. I've, I've got to definitely get my butt back in shape. Well, I think anytime you have an in, in, uh, injury, you know, that can affect that can affect your, you know, activity level and and you know, anytime you're injured, it, it's tough and, and things can happen. It's it's just good to hear that uh, you had a good day today and maybe you can start bouncing back and, you know, start slow. And that's that's yeah. one thing I can even tell you after, I mean, in, in Carbondale, um, and I think this will reflect, you know, being 43, you know, go, coming out of turkey season, uh, April and May. And I mean, walking and doing a lot, but, you know, just eating pretty much whatever I want. And I've always been fortunate. I've been thin, 
Um, but the older I get, the more I have to watch it. And, you know, then I, I really worked hard this summer, but it, it's taken me now we're in, you know, middle of December to finally get where, you know, finally I, I looked down and, and, uh, started actually weighing myself and realized that I had started shedding quite a few pounds, but it took, it, it wasn't like I was trying to lose weight. I was just trying to stick to my routine every single day. And, it's finally gotten to where the, the trails are much easier. And, um, you know, I, I, I crack up here, this Pinnacle Peak Trail right here by my house. It's 4.4 miles. And it's nice because you've got quite a bit of climb and then you've got some downhill. It's kind of kind of an interval training. And then you've got, you know, some steep and then steep down. And then you have to turn and basically do the whole thing over again. And I mean, even after elk season of being, you know, hunting for 30 days and being in the high elevations, um, you know, I literally couldn't run that trail and now I, I, I try to run all of the uphill sections and walk the downhill. I'm just not a fan of running downhill. Um, it, but even as, as fit as I feel like I am, I still, like my wife even commented today, she's like, man, even, you know, as strong as we get, you know, we still are breathing hard and such. And that was one thing I thought you know, as a kid, you know, in the teens and 20s, you you kind of take for granted that, um, you know, you can run, 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 and yeah, you breathe, but it, it seems like the older you get, the more, you know, I'm still breathing fairly hard, and I still feel like I've, you know, got a, got quite a ways to go to, to just be, you know, in what I would call perfect shape, but um, it's fun trying, and it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 there's been a few days when I've just thought, oh, I'll skip today. And I thought, you know, as soon as I do, if as soon as I skip it, um, you know, that'll, that'll leave the door open to, um, yeah. me, me being lazy. So I've just tried to focus on going every single day. Um, well, how... It's a time commitment, you know, too. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, you've got to devote time to it. Um, most of what I do takes at least an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. Um, but, you know, the results, I'm really looking forward to going coos deer uh, hunting here. Uh, we've got a trip at the end of December. Uh, we've got a group of five guys, and then we actually have about a 10-day break, and then we're going back on the 15th uh, of January and um, for, kind of for our rut hunt, where normally we'll do a couple rut hunts back-to-back. -back. Uh, the scheduling this year with the first hunt um, – We've got a couple of uh, younger guys that are, I believe, in high school or maybe just graduated high school. And so uh, actually, I think there are seniors in high school and um, their dads wanted to take them on Christmas break. So um, nice. Yeah, we're, we're, we're excited to hunt some new ranches this year. And um, it'll be fun because I can, you know, I can pretty much see I'm I'm notorious for seeing a peak off in the distance and just saying, I just want to go over there and. I feel like this year I'll be able to go anywhere I want and, and, um, you know, be able to do it, uh, and not look so dreadful doing it, I guess. <laughs> feel, so, feel so dreadful too. <laughs> so does that mean you're going to be running around more and, and less time behind the glass or what? No, I, I, I think ultimately what it's going to do is just allow me to feel better over a seven day hunt and just be able to recover faster and be able to probably yeah. cover more ground. Um, yeah. 
I, I don't think I'm going to glass any less, but I think I'll be able to, instead of seeing a peak and being like, wow, yeah, that's, that's going to be a pole way over there. You know, I kind of look at it as, okay, I've got to get my four or five miles in. And, um, you know, uh, so for me, it's just kind of a motivation thing. Um, you know, I've never been one to lift weights or anything like that. And there's nothing wrong with lifting weights. There's nothing wrong with getting strong. Uh, but for me, I think for hunting, uh, you know, having strong legs and, and be in hiking shape and have real, you know, tough feet and be ready for, for that kind of stuff. Uh, for me, that's, that's where it's at. And so it's been fun doing that. Yeah, no, and that's, and you nailed it. I mean, the older we get, you know, mid forties, just, it seems like you, you almost like every year you see a little bit of a different change. You're like, goodness gracious, I don't remember this being a problem, you know, like last year or this, you know, but that's kind of what I've always measured my, my fitness with is I know I'm going to be breathing heavy. I know it's going to take me, you know, for instance, now living it, I think we are, you know, this how our house out here is like 2000 feet elevation or whatever. Okay. I, I don't live in Colorado anymore. I don't live, you know, I'm, I spend as much time as I can above 10,000 feet, but I don't spend near enough time above 10,000 feet to where it actually is going to help. So I know when I get back to the mountains or even in Arizona, if I go up a couple thousand feet from here, I know I'm going to be breathing heavy. Question is, is how fast do I recover? You know, and I think that really makes a big difference, but you're absolutely right. Your leg strength and your, your back strength just to be able to just go, 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 because it, it will. It'll definitely help. You know, like you said, you see that mountain peak off in the distance. You're like, man, I want to be there. Well, I want to be there. Does that mean it's going to take me an hour to get there, or is that that's a that's an all-day hike to get there, you know? So, no, we'll see. Uh, it, well, here's a question for you. Have you? I think you touched on it a little bit, but have you found now it to be um, – you know, they, people say, you know, if you do something for 30 days or 45 days or whatever, it becomes a habit. Has, has your fitness stuff actually become a second nature habit or is it every day a conscious, I need to go do this and make the time? You know, it's, it's for me running these trails around Scottsdale, it's been steady ever since I got back from elk season. So all of October, all of November, all of December, every single day, haven't missed a day, but it's still, I have to just Usually I wake up early and I try and hit the trail right at sunup and, you know, it's, it's so getting so dark, you know, getting so dark so early and getting so light so late um, that, you know, it's not like I'm getting up at four in the morning. You know, usually if I'm hitting the trail by about seven o'clock, the sun's just coming up. Um, sure. But for me, it's, it's not one of those, I still have to every day make myself do it um, and, you know, I, I hope that I can keep it up and maintain it because um, I feel good. Uh, you know, I, I, I was fighting plantar fasciitis the last couple years and had a pretty, pretty rough bout with it. Um, and quite honestly, I, I've um, gotten a pretty steady uh, massage uh, therapy on my feet and on my calves and, 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 and really trying to break all that stuff up. But I think, um, you know, this whole season I haven't had any trouble and I think it's just from staying active and keeping those muscles activated. I think, you know, there was a, uh, you know, the old, you know, hunt hard during hunting season and then, you know, February, March, uh, you know, kind of do nothing and then run into turkey season and all of a sudden my, you know, bottoms of my feet are going, what's going on? And then never being able to recover for a couple of years, you know, going straight into elk season and all that different stuff. 
I think now, uh, by actually being proactive and, and working on it and staying active, I think it's really helped me, um, as well. So, um, yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's my, you just nailed my typical life. It's just go nonstop active for a month or two or three for a hunt season. And then all of a sudden the winter hits and I'm, I'm here in front of my computer doing videos, sitting in a, in a computer chair or whatever, you know, where all of a sudden my activity level goes right to the floor and then, Oh, here's April, you know, start carrying around decoys and turkey vests and blinds and everything else. And, you know, running, just going crazy for two months. And then all of a sudden broop, shut down. And it's just, I'm going to have to get myself. I mean, once I can funk and move, um, I'm just going to have to just literally just force myself to get on a regimen and, and just get myself back to where I need to be, which is, I already know I'm in a hole to begin with, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a heck of a, a ride. That's for sure. You know, I, <laughs> my wife kind of laughs at me and she, she doesn't like to hike with me very much, um, to a certain extent, because I'm one of those that if someone, I just don't ever like anyone to pass me. And it's really hard because <laughs> there's some really, some guys and, and gals in really, really good shape. And, um, she'll laugh at me because there'll be times when, you know, this, buffed up looking dude all slicked up comes and you know and he runs by me going downhill you know looking all great running downhill and I walk downhill I won't run and then all of a sudden the, the the you know the uphill starts and all of a sudden then I start running and she's like it doesn't matter how far that guy is he's she's like if you can see him it's like you want to just reel him in and i literally like kill myself <laughs> trying to catch the guy you know and he's got you know a quarter mile lead on me and and um by the time i finally catch him i'm ready to blow a nut down my shorts you know, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just exhausted but it's just i guess it's my personality of of just you know wanting to to push, that's what get, push myself, you know. That that's what gives you that high intensity interval training right there. That's all. That's that's all it is. It's just motivation factor. That's good. Yeah, that's and then good. as soon as I get to the part where it <laughs> drops back down and I can go to walk and literally my face is bright red and I'm my heart's beating You're out of sucking. my chest. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's been fun. Um, you know, it's 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 just a little bit of a change for me because I've really never been into exercise. Um, I've just I've been fortunate being thin and, um, relatively, you know, just kind of stay in decent shape, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, I've got that going on. I actually, in October, um, had a cool event, uh, before the, after elk season and before, uh, my friend Danny Bright's, uh, Arizona strip hunt, uh, deer hunt, uh, I got, uh, an invite from a professional golfer friend of mine. Uh, I've been friends with Kenny Perry, who plays on the PGA Tour and now the Champions Tour, um, to caddy for him uh, at the New, uh, Newport Beach uh, Toshiba Classic in the Champions Tour event. And um, a lot of people probably listen to the podcast don't know, but I played golf as a as a kid growing up and through high school, and actually played on a college golf team. And um, I put a lot of my efforts of my life into trying to be a good golfer and uh, was never that great in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, was always 
uh, fighting for maybe getting to travel on the fifth position. You know, in college, they travel five guys. And I made some tournaments, but um, really loved golf. And uh, that was a big part of my life till I was probably 20, 22 or 23. And um, since then, I don't play. I probably haven't played twice in, you know, 10 years. Uh, but I got an invite to go caddy for my friend Kenny Perry. I've known him since I was 12 or 13 years old. And I've caddied for him before, but what was cool is I knew that I was in pretty good shape and, uh, you know, carrying that bag that's, you know, 50 pounds. Um, it was awesome being able to, you know, carry that bag, uh, for three days and, um, you know, just carry it and, and, and not be tired. And, and that was a fun experience. Uh, he, he kind of finished middle of the pack, but, uh, we had a great time. And then, uh, went on that strip hunt with uh, my friend Danny Bright. He had actually booked the same guides, uh, MDA Outfitters, uh, Breck and Bronson Bundy, uh, the same guides that uh, Dar booked last year when Parker uh, drew that uh, mule deer tag and Parker shot that great buck. And, you know, of course, Breck shot that 290-inch giant. Um, the guide actually had a tag himself. And you know, some would say, well, why would you book with the guy that has a tag himself? Darn, I thought it was a great deal because we knew he'd be doing a lot of scouting and yeah. uh, figured we could shoot, you know, I say we, Parker could shoot any buck that, you know, Breck didn't want to shoot. So it worked out great. Well, Danny booked uh, MDA Outfitters for his hunt. And Danny, uh, Chris, is the guy that also spends the summers, him and his girlfriend spend the summers in Carbondale, Colorado. So he fishes with me you know, nice. three, three or four days a week, um, all summer. And so he was really looking forward to that hunt. And so Dar and I went up there for that hunt and we had a great time. Uh, Danny had, um, we saw a lot of really nice bucks and, you know, bucks that I- anywhere else you would shoot on the first day and just be tickled pink and, you know, 200, 205 inch type deer. And, um, he ended up killing a buck on the very last day um that that's kind of a cool double eye guard buck not you know not the buck that he you know was dreaming about uh when he drew his tag but it was fun getting to hunt uh for that period of time uh you know and there were a couple great bucks shot in our camp i think there was a a low 230s buck that a girl shot uh samantha uh davis shot and then um neils foley shot i think it was a 225 really cool um, kind of a J a hook cheater buck and um, so it was awesome to see those the quality of deer up on the Arizona Strip but also got to experience you know the trail camera madness and and um, seriously you know all of the stuff that goes on with everybody knowing everything about every deer and and um, for me it kind of takes a little bit out of it I wish uh, we could just get back to for me, I, you know, there's part of me that really likes to go out and hunt and not know what's there and kind of just what's around the next ridge and kind of have that sense of, you know, is there a big buck around rather than know every single buck? Um, what What are they putting game cameras on? Just water holes or trails or what are they doing? Yeah, let's take a quick break here and I'll dive into that. Real game calls featuring the elk reel.
Real Game Calls makes innovative, realistic, and easy-to-master calls using their proprietary, revolutionary design. They are located and manufactured in Gypsum, Colorado. Their calls were designed and battle-tested on some of the hardest-hunted terrain on Earth. Check out ElkReel.com. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a 20% discount on all purchases. Go to www.elkreel.com. Phonescope is a company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. It is simple to text photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. Phonescope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. Get yours now by using the JScott16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. Yeah, so the game cameras uh, up on the Arizona Strip is a lot like Unit 9 uh, in the fact that uh, all over the Arizona Strip, uh, and, and I don't want to come off like I'm an expert at all. I've only been there three or four times in my life uh, for several hunts. I don't guide there. I just have been able to accommodate or uh, accompany friends of mine that have drawn the tag. But there's trick tanks or, you know, game, uh, game and fish, uh, you know, game waters uh, gotcha. all over the unit. And um, there are stock tanks as well. There's There's not very many springs, but there's a lot of. You know, trick tank. So every trick tank literally has eight to fifteen uh, trail cameras, and I mean, you can be in some remote, like the Arizona Strip is huge. Like there's there's places that you can, you know, you can go drive through Arizona, go up through Vegas, come through St. George, and then you know come down because obviously there's a big canyon in the way called the Grand Canyon. So you have there's only a couple ways into the Strip, but if you go up that way and come from St. George, you can drive for like. I want to say it's like 98 miles and still be in the Arizona Strip from from north to south. Um, And and people don't get a grasp until they're up there of how big it is. But in in essence, um, you know, in in order, you know, man has a has a tendency to overcook things and overdo (laughs) things. And I, I just feel like. I never thought I'd say it, but I almost feel like the trail camera deal has been overcooked on the mule deer and on the elk. I don't feel yeah. as much on the coos deer because there's a lot of live water and a lot of springs, and it just doesn't seem to be as much of a problem on the coos. But the mule deer, especially on the strip, um, you know, you anytime you get big giant deer and you get humans involved, and then you add, you know, guide services and outfitters, which I'm one of them. You know, not necessarily up there, but I, I'm a I'm a part of the Outfitter Brotherhood, so to speak. Um, you get egos involved. You get you know guys wanting to shoot big deer, and there's nothing wrong with that to a certain extent. Um, you know, but it just seems like we've overcooked this deal. And like I said, I, I sure wish. I, I'm not saying that banning trail cameras is what I'm what I'm asking for, but maybe we do something like we let guys run cameras and scout but then when the season starts or maybe two weeks before the season or something you just pull all cameras and if there's a camera found it's confiscated um you know and and maybe we could get back to just you know not knowing everything about it now 
my personal opinion on private land, if you own a big ranch or you own a big farm or a big piece of private and you own the property and you can run a thousand trail cameras, I say go for it because the difference in my mind is you're not interfering with someone else's hunt. And I think, yes. I think by having all these trail cameras on public land and you've seen it in unit nine, I think one of the biggest problems is you end up having to go check your trail camera at all hours of the day and you end up interrupting someone else's hunt. The other thing is I think it creates this sense of that's my buck. Yeah. And that, yep. and that buck over there, that's my buck. And this buck over here, that's my buck. And just because you have a picture of them doesn't mean that it's your animal. It means you've seen a picture of them, but it's just as much the cameras next to you's buck as it is yours. Oh, well, this guy spends doesn't spend as much time as I do, so that's my buck. Well, really, if he has a camera or he or she has a camera up there, it's every bit theirs as it is yours. But it just, it seems like we've overcooked it as humans. And we, you know, a lot of guys don't play well with others and I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing. Um, so I'm not like talking down about anybody. I'm, I'm part of the problem myself, I think, you know, having my own human ego. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts, uh, you know, from what you saw in unit nine with the same thing? Well, and, and here we are, what, almost an hour into this one. I think we're going to have to make this a two-parter. Uh, you know, we talked about it, I think, and I don't remember if we talked about it on the last podcast or if it was just you and I talking on the phone, but, man, oh, man, the combat bow hunting, you know, or combat hunting in, in whether it's rifle season out here in Kansas, whether it's wherever, it doesn't matter, you know, there's all sorts of different sportsmen and there's all sorts of different hunters with all sorts of different value sets and, and what they culturally find acceptable or what they want to do. And it seems like, you know, the, a lot of times it seems like the, the, this, the certain type of hunter just will gravitate towards a certain type of outfitter if they're going to use an outfitter or they're just going to, they're going to hunt a certain way that may be not what, I enjoy or you enjoy, you know, let's just like, for instance, unit nine, we talked about the fact that, and there's, it, it's not just me. It's not just you. There's a couple other guys that are, are well-known outfitters in that area that, uh, you know, we just sit back and you look and, and I'm, I'm new to the game. You guys have been doing it for years and years. Last year was the first time I, I guided. Um, but goodness gracious, it seems like the fun has been ripped out of it. It, to a large extent, uh, extent is you know when you're it in some of these areas when we're talking about trophy and okay and, and I don't want to get uh, we're talking about limited entry unit we're talking about premium units here so if you're putting twenty you know, you know putting in for twenty years to hunt a certain area you're not putting in twenty years so you can get this awesome piece of meat let's just just put it out you're you're putting in twenty years to hunt unit nine or 10 or 23 elk in, in Arizona, or you're putting in for how many, how many years does it take to draw a strip? Well, you 10? pretty much have to have max points as a non-resident and which is you know, what it, Oh, 18 points. Okay. And so even as a resident, like Danny had one less than max. And so, I mean, most people yeah. have, you know, 15, 18, 20 years putting in. Yeah, you're you're not putting in 20 years to go hunt the Arizona Strip so you can shoot a two by two meat buck. That's not the point. The point is you want a trophy animal. You want a 
and 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 let's just not even use the word trophy because everybody's oh trophy's different. We you want an animal that has gigantic stinking antlers, right. all right? Period. That's that, that that's what you want. And so you're right there. You're putting a a a qualification on your standard of what you want out of that hunt. You that blink right there. I want big antlers. Okay. Well, how big? Well, and, and how big, number one, and number two, how much of that emphasis, What what is the level of priority of that emphasis? You know, there are some hunters, um, you've had clients like this, and, and, you know, I know Steve has, and, you know, other people, you know, I drew, uh, you know, or whether it's the Arizona strip for mule deer. Okay, I, I drew a strip tag. I want a 200, I want a, well, there, they, I want a buck that's over 200 inches. And I'm, I'm guessing, I'm, ne- I'm not a big mule deer hunter, um, but I'm guessing that a lot of guys are are not even a 200-inch buck. They want something significantly over 200 inches versus, you know, unit 9, 23, 10, whatever, as far as elk, you know, it's, oh, I want a 380, I want a 400, I want, you know, whatever. Okay, if you put that number to it, how important just what is that level of importance on that particular number there are some guys that man that is the end all be all it has to hit this number or or else it's not a successful hunt and so goodness gracious you grind you as far as us being the outfitters you grind day in and day out just trying meanwhile we're passing up really fun opportunities or a, a an experience that we've had, you know, calling a bull, or you see a deer, or you get to where, okay, well, it didn't meet the magic mark, so let's just move on. Well, dang it, we could have had a heck of a lot of fun with that 360 bull. You know what I mean? To where it just I don't know, so it, it it becomes problematic. And then when you know when you have like your discussion, you know, describing here, you know, every camp, you know, you got 110 assistance you know what i mean one hunter in, in a camp but he's got 10 buddies helping i'm guilty of it you i know you're guilty of it we you know we all try to to fit along it and play in but you're absolutely right it becomes you know we saw it wasn't so much this year but you know last year where you know people sitting water holes pretending to be hunters they weren't hunters they were just common a squat on a water hole because well this is quote unquote my bull and I've got to save this bull for my buddy. He's hunting over here, and then we got another guy over here, and over basically just cobbing a squat on these areas and excluding everybody else. And it, and you just man, it does take the fun out of it. And I know a lot of people get burned out. Um, you and I talked about the fact that um, I had I I did I enjoyed my my guiding and and my client this year, um, but. And I did go ahead and, and renew my Arizona Outfitters license, but I seriously think that anybody that picks up the phone and calls me and says, "Hey, Chris, can you take me?" I think my stand. I think I'm going to be picky on who I take. If if someone says I want to hire you because I want a 380 to 400 inch bull, and that's all I want. I may just say, no, thanks. Call someone else. Call, you know, call any a number of one of these other outfitters. But if someone calls up and says, I want to go experience unit nine, or I want to experience such and such, 
let's come out and have fun. I'm going to work my butt off. I'm going to, I'm going to try to find the biggest bull in the stinking unit that we can find. Or like for here, you know, here in Kansas, I'm going to work my butt off and try to find you the largest deer that we have on our properties. And I know we've got some smokers, but more importantly, I'm going to bust my butt. So you have one heck of an experience and it's a fun experience, not a pressured experience. I don't know if that makes any sense or I'm rambling, but yeah, no, yeah, I mean, I think that goes back to like what I said. I, I feel differently on public land than I do on private. And some may think that that's, you know, I, a little bit weird. But I feel like I'm private. You own that land and you have every right to know every inch and every animal that lives on it, even though you don't technically own the animals. If they're on your property and you want to know about it, I think the biggest problem is, you know, on your or the the biggest difference is like on your own property, you actually own that property. You can decide which hill you want to sit on, which, you know, tree stand you want to sit on. Yeah. You know, you can walk through a field knowing you're not going to screw somebody else up. I just feel like on public land, it's created this real entitlement. It's created this real like that's mine. You yeah. Know, I know that buck. I know that buck. I know that bull. I know that bull. I know that ram or whatever. And it's to me, we've gone too far and I'll just say it. I think we've gone too far and I think that something has to be done to make it more of, um, just not so interfering with other people's hunts. You know, yeah. it, 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 that's, that's the problem for me is it interferes. Everybody knows everything about every animal. That the deer, the deer, the elk, the, the sheep, whatever, they don't have any chance to, to, you know, try and escape. I mean, they can't go get a drink of water anywhere without getting their picture taken. Yeah, no, and, and that's the thing. Public land, we've got to share it. I mean, bottom line, we got to share it. And and yes, you spent 20 years to draw that tag. Dang it, this is this is my time. I I you know, I, it's 20 years. I finally got my tag. And dang it, I'm I'm gonna yeah. Well, guess what? The guy that you're looking at, that you're you're racing down the road and and trying to drive off the road, or you're you're yanking his game camera off the tree, or you're throwing his ground blind in the middle of the water hole. The 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 guy that you're lashing out at. He spent 20 years or she spent 18, 20 years. They're, they're in the same boat. And I think that's exactly it. You get some of these people that just, and it's not everybody because there's some really good folks out there that we ran into that, you know, you know, anyway, it, it, you have to, it, it has to be, I don't know. I, I just, I, I used to be a strong proponent. We have to police ourselves, but goodness gracious, that just doesn't work. You know, I, and out here on the private land, I agree with you, private land. However, I can show you numerous examples where landowners have said, yeah, 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 come out and hunt. Well, they don't manage it. They don't monitor it. They don't control it. And guess what? It gets to be just as ugly, if not even more so, fights, damaged property, uh, people interfering, you know, running stuff in with trucks, just shooting out of the truck, even though there's people sitting in a ground blind somewhere, people going in and stealing people's ground blind off of private property. It's not even their property. Yeah. Just because it just becomes this this combat type of ordeal, whereas you know that's that's why we do what we do and how we do it. We 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 allow a fair, a, 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 I would say, a high level of hunting on our properties, but it's managed. 
to where we don't have to worry about that. Okay, you're going here. You're going there. This is when you're going to be there. This is when you're going to be here. And we share it. We make it work so everybody has a quality experience. I just – the thing is, is and, and this is where I think I struggle in my head is, again, we're, what you're dealing with, though, and, and here we are talking about. That's our value set, Jay. You know, we have a certain value. Or a, a, a value set and a and a, a series of I don't know I, I try not to ramble but we have a value set that we hold dear to ourselves but we have to be understanding that not everybody shares that same value set you know I get done here you know with rifle season and I I just cringe it just makes me cringe seeing people just driving pastures with trucks shooting out of the window with trucks where they're just going through and just pushing out one river bottom and pushing, you know, I'm going to push out landowner A's property. I'm going to push it over into my property so he can shoot whatever, you know, comes out the other end. It just, ah, drives me. But that's culturally, I mean, that, that's how you deer hunt. I mean, since you're a little tiny kid, that's all you know is we get, you know, rifle season shows up and we get in the truck and and we drive the pastures and, and that's how we hunt. Okay. That's not how I hunt, but I mean, as long as if if it's legal, then okay, you know. But if we're talking about public land, you you do. I think at some point we have to sit there and say, okay, how do we how do we somehow find a harmonic balance between everybody's value set and that that just incredible desire? I mean, I think there's a lot more people that are out there just wanting either a quality hunt experience or a quality animal. And sometimes nary the two shall meet. It, it just causes conflict. But I don't know. I don't know if that's more laws. I don't know if that's more education. I don't know what you do. Yeah, it's, you know, it, the answer is, I don't know what the answer is. Um, you know, one of the things I enjoy so much, I was talking to Dar about this, what I enjoy about our Mexico coos deer hunts is uh, the ranches are, are, are all private. And I just enjoy getting to the gate, unlocking the gate, driving through the gate, locking the gate back, and having a whole big, you know, some of the ranches are 10, 15, 20, 25, 30,000 acres. And you have the whole area and you know that you can just go hunt. And I get calls all the time from people wanting to go cooster hunting in Mexico with us. And they say, well, do you have trail camera pictures of the bucks that we're going to be shooting? I say, no. What do you mean no? Yep. I, I don't run trail cameras. What do you mean you don't run trail cameras? How can you know what kind of deer you have? I said, we're going to find out. I, yeah, I say, I we may not be the outfit for you. We don't run trail cameras. We, we love the fact that we come, we open the gate, we lock the gate, and we go and we hunt. We go glass and we hunt for seven days and we don't know what's around the next corner. We don't know what's in that canyon. We don't know what's up in the draw. We only know what we see. And I'm not saying that, you know, we couldn't run trail cameras or that maybe we wouldn't run a trail camera or two on a water hole that, you know, maybe we want to see if, you know, what kind of bucks are coming in. But we're, I mean, the adventure of what's around the next corner and the adventure of, you know, of, of the hunt I mean, at yep. some point yep. as hunters, why are we doing it? Are you doing it just to get a big buck? And and trust me, I've been there. I want to shoot a big buck just like anybody else does. But 
And one of the big, well, the biggest coos deer buck I ever shot, I have a trail camera picture of him. It wasn't my trail camera, but I knew that buck was there. So I stayed there and stayed there and stayed there over, you know, two full weeks of hunting and finally killed the buck because I knew he was there. And yeah, I'm grateful I shot the buck and all that. So I'm a little bit hypocritical, but it's one of those things that now, you know, that was seven years ago. Now I'm kind of to the point where I just want to go hunt. I want to enjoy glassing. I want to enjoy the hikes in the morning with the headlamp up to the knob. I want to enjoy, I always like to go 30 minutes early, get to the knob while the while it's still dark. I love watching the sunset come up or the sunrise come up and watching, you know, the whole landscape come alive and deer getting out of their beds. And that's what I go for. And we do pretty good. And yeah, if we had trail cameras on every single water hole, we'd probably do better as far as we'd know every single deer. But that's not why I do it. I do it because I may go for six days and all of a sudden on the seventh morning, I glass over and there's a 125 inch buck standing there. And, you know, I crap down both legs and shake like, <laughs> you know, shake like a, uh, a, a dog uh, peeing razor blades. But it's like, um, that's what, that's what gets me going. And if I knew every single deer that was there, wouldn't be near as fun. Seems like it'd be stressful because you'd be so stressed out about trying to kill some particular buck that, you know, you, you would lose the fun of why you're even there in the first place. Yeah. But again, okay. And let me, again, I'm going to just go back to playing devil's advocate again, but that it, we have to always remember that that's value sets. I mean, I'm the same way. I, I, I absolutely am. I, you know, this year uh, we've, this, this season has taught me so much about what we've got going on here in Kansas. I mean, that, that number one, that's why we do have such a demand. Why we have so many people that want to come out and hunt with us. Um, and if it wasn't for the stinking draw, goodness gracious, we'd be able to really kind of cater to some folks a little bit better. But, um, just so many people nowadays just want a quality hunt experience and i don't care whether you're talking about public land or not and that's why more and more people are putting in for more and more premium units and and wanting to get farther back in the backcountry, get away from people why because you want to reduce the impact of other hunters out there that don't maybe not hunt the way you do or or not as carefully as you do or whatever so I think more, whether you're a public land hunter or a private land hunter, I think there's a very strong trend to move towards a quality experience, but yet our quality, what the, the question is, is, is the quality of antler or quality of experience? And for us, the same thing, it's, it's quality of experience. And one of the things I've learned this year in these linear corridors that we're dealing with, it doesn't matter. I, I'm, I, next summer, I am not running trail cameras for deer all summer long to see to take inventory of the bucks that are on a property it's pointless it's useless because the deer that we have up and down our river bottoms in the summer are not the deer that show up in the fall it, it, literally every year it's been like this for past four years doesn't matter the habitat doesn't matter the the crop rotation doesn't matter our summering bucks are not the bucks that are here during the rut our uh, they just get out and they move they make that pre-rut move and they they hit the ground running and all of a sudden we have deer that we've never seen before those are the deer that are running uh the creek bottoms when when hunting season rolls around so most of the time i've got you know trail camera pictures of awesome deer but that may be it they might just show up once and 
they might not show back up again for two, three, four weeks because they're running these long corridors and they're just making these routes to where our hunters every morning is the same way. We know what we saw the night before. We saw or saw that morning. We know what the wind direction is going to be doing. We know where the food is. We know where the does are. So let's just go climb in a stand and let's just see what shows up. And the deer that we killed this year, I killed uh, a buck that we did have on game camera. Um, but, you know, the, the, what the other hunters, I mean, we had one hunter shoot a beautiful, beautiful, big, mature buck, mid one fifties that we had no clue that was ever around. But then our other hunter saw a couple of, you know, I showed him some game camera pictures. He saw those two deer and man, I, I can't blame them. I mean, they're mid one sixties, almost one seventy class whitetails with that. And one of them was probably about a 250 pound just tank, and that would have been dressed. If he, if, I think he'd have probably tipped the scales at 250 pounds dressed. He was a giant. Um, and as soon as he laid eyes on that, well, that's that. Those are the only deer he wanted to hunt. So I mean, it was. I don't know. Hey, goodness gracious, I don't know. It, you know. People want a quality experience. Just trying to find out what what that means to everybody, and 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 I don't know. I I, I don't know. There's so much. It's going a on can my of worms, dude. It's like there's no way to make everybody happy. It's just I think I've come to a point where I've seen other people's hunts affected and ruined, quote unquote, from cameras. And I've seen other people's hunts ruined from or their experience ruined from, you know, people thinking that they own different animals and that they're going to flood yeah. areas. And, you know, it's just like. You know, I, I've kind of gotten to the point where I just don't want it that bad. I, I don't need to shoot something big that bad that I'm going to ruin somebody's hunt. Um, well, what's uh, on the strip there? Has anybody done, um, and I know we don't do this on elk in the in Arizona to, to, to a certain extent, uh, for, the, for the strip, has anybody run and looked at teeth wear, jawbones, age? of some of these animals. I mean, if you're talking, maybe it's moot point because if their strip is that big, maybe you just, I mean, maybe these deer just get absolutely lost in there, but are they going, are the people that are killing these 230 plus inch deer or whatever, are these like eight year old deer or are these younger age class deer that just have exceptional genetics? Well, I think it's a little of both, but I think there's nowhere in the, in the world that has as good a genetics as the Arizona strip. I think, you know, if you look at it, at other places that have produced big bucks i mean historically the strip and and i don't want to speak like i'm an expert at all like i said i'm i've been up there three or four times just on hunts and um but my perception is that you know the genetics and the the, the country up there yield big bucks you know whether a four-year-old buck that's just a giant you know just great genetics everything's just working out right or he's a you know, 230 buck that's a, you know, eight or nine year old that's, you know, it, it, it's both. Um, that place is, is crazy. Um, and, you know, there's only 75 tags in B and I don't even know what there is in A. I think there's like 50 or something in A, but um, okay. 13A. But, you know, I think half of these big bucks would not get shot if there weren't for cameras because, you know, they, yeah. they, they, ha they run such a big area sometimes they, they only need to water once. And as soon as, you know, all the guides know that that buck's around, they'll just flood that area on every single point and knob over and over and over and over and over until they finally get them. And, you know, there's, it's, it's, 
at some point I think we need to let the animals do their thing and there has to be some reprieve um, you know some sanctuary of knowing that they can just do their thing and be deer but it's not illegal so I mean I get it and I you know I don't I, I am hypocritical when I'm talking about this but it's kind of like I've finally gotten to a point where I just think something needs to be done I don't know what that is I have some of my ideas um, but uh, I'm glad that I'm not in charge of, of having to you know figure all that out because it, it, it is going to be a tough task for somebody um, but you know yeah it makes for good conversation um, I know the gritty Bowman uh, Brian call uh, I, I haven't listened to it uh, but he had a couple podcasts on trail cameras um, but I've heard some good feedback from that and um, you know they do a good job over there the guys at the gritty Bowman um, do yeah. a good job and uh, you know, another, just kind of changing gears totally. Um, another podcast that I like and listen to a lot on my, uh, trail running is knock on podcast. Um, oh, yeah. yep. uh, uh, Dudley. J- John Dudley, uh, he, you know, he's such a technician with archery equipment. Um, I highly recommend to guys out there that are into archery, listen to knock on podcast. And that's, you know, spelled like N O C K, um, yeah. on and you can find it on iTunes. I think you could probably just Google it, but uh, that's one I listen to. And um, uh, there's actually a few business podcasts I listen to, like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Ask Gary V. He's a foul mouth uh, New Yorker that uh, you know says the F word about every six words, which I don't like. But I he does <laughs> he does have some incredible stuff on. Uh, marketing and content and business and so I do listen to him some uh, and yeah I mean I, I get people sending me messages all the time that you know they listen and love my podcast and I'm grateful for that and uh, uh, I also listen to to, uh, to podcasts myself and and uh, I know that it's a great way to to learn and pass time and uh, to also hear other perspectives uh, so I listen to you know, some real estate podcasts, um, the rich dad, poor dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. I listen to his podcast. Some, sometimes I listen to uh, social media marketing podcast, um, and, uh, actually some real estate, uh, investing podcasts. So, um, are, are there anything out there that you've learned this season, uh, whether it's gear or, um, you know, anything that, you know, any YouTube stuff or anything that, that, that you're following or, oh, I, I throw one, one other in there, obviously MidwestWhitetail.com, Bill yeah. Winky and his crew, Aaron Warbritton, they do a phenomenal job. They're, they're kind of, you know, I watch them every Monday morning and they've done a great job, uh, with their stuff. Yeah, no, for me, I, I, to be honest, um, you, you mentioned Gritty Bowman. Yeah, I, I'm friends with Aaron and uh, Aaron Snyder and we just finally talked for like, 15 minutes the other day finally caught up with just a tiny little bit and then i lost signal with him i haven't talked to him again but um yeah no i've been running so stinking ragged i think i've got like 200 podcasts i that are downloaded on the phone that i haven't listened to yet so i haven't listened to squat the only one that i've been kind of trying not podcast but the only thing that i have been keeping up on is um i'm a member of quality deer management management association and so they've got their publication quality whitetails that comes out i really do love that organization from a standpoint they are i mean 
science, 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 what's going on, what's going on, behavior, forage, food. I mean, just everything, ah, anything whitetail and deer management. I mean, they are in it. They are, there's, there's nobody even close to them right now. And, um, they've got some really great movement, uh, articles in there and, and from some of the more recent, um, research out of, you know, most everything that's been researched for deer is, is back East, unfortunately, but, some of it has some applicability to what we're dealing with, and and so it's really helped shape some of the things that I'm thinking about for 2017. But no, I've I need to catch up on it. But no, the podcast that you mentioned right there, uh, I'll just tell you the, the three that I listen to is yours, Gritty Bowman, and I do listen to Knock On every now and then, uh, Joe Rogan. Um, I well, love I've Joe. Heard, heard, yeah, <laughs> Joe. I listen to just some yeah. of the hunting ones. Um, Joe is Joe actually sent me a few messages. He listens to my podcast, so I thought that was some. Um, really cool he's he's actually sent me some real um positive uh uh direct messages through instagram which i thought was really cool rogan just reaching well, it, out to me out of the blue yeah uh well it, I, I, I forgot to mention too uh one of my favorites is the meat eater podcast yeah um i never miss an episode of the meat eater just because i know Giannis and steve and those guys and they just crack me up i mean it just just cracks me up and I guess the, and, and the reason why I bring up those ones and, and to kind of bring it back, we just kind of dove into all these other random podcasts. Why? Because we were talking about discussion. We were talking about ideas and talking about some of these topics that I know other people have talked about. You know, we're talking about fair chase. We're talking about, you know, private land versus public land. We're talking about, you know, value sets and all that. I mean, we're not the only ones talking about it. It's a, it's a bigger discussion that a lot of these other guys have talked about as well. So, um, yeah, and, that's and, why that's why I think it's relevant for for me. But no, and, it is. It's it's something I just don't know if there's a solution to. You know. Yeah, and you know, I back to your point of that. I have some people that send me messages and they're like, "Well, we just listen to your podcast exclusively. We wouldn't listen." I'm like, I encourage oh, people. Hey, yeah. listen to as much as you want. Getting everybody's different ideas and opinions and. And, um, you know, Brian call sent me, actually, I've, I'm getting some live podcasting gear for, I'm um, going to try and do some, uh, on the hunt, like on these cooster hunts, try and get like, um, you know, in the evenings kind of recapping the hunts and doing that. And Brian was gracious, gracious enough. And Giannis over at the mediator to help me with the gear that they're using to record some of this live stuff. And, um, you know, so it, it's, 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 one would think that, you know, this guy's got this going and this guy's got this going. And, you know, in essence, they're competing for people listening. Yes, but we all have our different um, qualities that there's reasons why people listen to us. So it's, you know, it's and most people are going to listen to three or four. Once you get into one podcast, very yeah. rarely do you just listen to one. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I encourage guys to branch out and, you know, listen to all sorts of stuff because you're going to learn and and. For me, um, I, 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 I want to inform and educate by having good guests on and picking guys' brains and trying to get little morsels of information out there that, um, you know, that's my goal. And, and the, the upside for me is getting the great feedback that I get from all the listeners by, you know, by emails and direct message and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's uh, just been very rewarding for me. 
buddy, and we can chew up an hour and a half as good as anybody. <laughs> I appreciate you. Whether being we on. cover anything or not, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun sometimes just to not even have a outline or a script and just kind of talk like conversation style, like just like you know we're catching up on the phone with a buddy, and that's all we did today. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm gearing up for these coos deer hunts, and I know you've got up just finish up these few little last late late season and you'll be you'll be done um kind of kind of starting to get the turkey on the brain just starting to look at it out there on the horizon i know it's coming it'll yeah. be here before we know it so it's uh, yeah it's exciting cool, stuff cool yep right on. always love having you on uh uh for those uh that haven't been on Chris's website or on his social media. It's uh, Roe Hunting Resources. That's R O E Hunting Resources.com. Uh, Chris, you're you're piling up the followers on Instagram. I um, saw the <laughs> other day. I'm like, wow, your your uh, Instagram account's really growing. Well, it, to be honest, that's where I'm spending more of my time. Um, I don't want it. Just, we could. Oh, here's another topic. We could end up diving into social media stuff. But no, I, I am enjoying Instagram a lot more lately. Um, and I do try. And this is one thing that that people have given me feedback on. And, and for those that are listening that are on my Instagram account or follow me that have sent me feedback, thank you because I appreciate it. I, I really do try to make mine. Um, it's fun, it's entertaining, but there's there's a component of a meat and potatoes in there as well. You know what I mean? So I mean, if I post a picture of something, there's probably a reason. You know, and so people have enjoyed that. It's just not a you know, it's just not a selfie in the mirror going, "Yay, look at me." It, I, I always try to give some set some, some level of of meat and potatoes or something they're fun to to engage in, and that's why you know from these late season doe hunts, I've I've been running some just contests of. You know, here's what you know, I did. I went out and did this. Can you guess, you know, you know, how did I was it a doe? Did I kill it with a bow? Did I kill it with a with a handgun? And if so, you know, how heavy was she? This latest one is, you know, I went out the other night and, and sat in a blind, filled a tag or two or three. I'm not going to say, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, you know, how many does did I kill? And, and if I killed more than one, you know, what's a combined dress weight of them? You know, just. And then some, you know, like what age and that type of stuff. So we just, we have some fun with some of the stuff. So yeah, I, I definitely encourage people to follow me on Instagram because it's, it's a good time. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, buddy, it's uh, great having you on. It's great catching up with you. Uh, I want to end by thanking the sponsors of my podcast, uh, gohunt.com insider phone scope outdoorsman's and real game calls and guys as you know you hear these commercials on this podcast you can uh, use the j scott promo code and get uh, discounts with each one of those companies uh, and the phone scope promo code is phone scope 16 uh, the rest are just j scott promo code and i get so much feedback from my sponsors of the support that you guys give them and I just appreciate that. Uh, without you guys' support and without the sponsor's support, this wouldn't be possible. So I just want to shout out there. And uh, Chris, always awesome having you on. Uh, look forward to doing it again. Looking forward to uh, turkey season. You and I bouncing stuff back and forth coming up here in a couple months. So oh yeah, uh, take, oh yeah. Take care. God bless. Have a, have a great uh, Christmas uh, uh, holiday season, and uh, look forward to. A new, a great 2017, and and all the great things that you're going to be doing. So, keep it up. Absolutely, buddy. man. 
All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks again, always. And uh, yeah, Merry Christmas to you guys as well. And uh, look forward to our next conversation. All right, buddy. Take care.